gentlemen, welcome again to Secrets of Meeting, the podcast and TV arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. I'm your host, Rabbi Richard Adras. Thank you very, very much for joining us for today's edition of our podcast. We are very excited to have you and very excited to talk about an issue that uh, seems to be gaining a lot of attention and use amongst our demographic, and that is the issue of meditation. And by the way, if you'd like to contact us for suggestions about the program, uh, and ideas, just feel free to email me at rabbi address at jewishsacredaging.com and visit the Facebook page, Jewish Sacred Aging on Facebook. So it is with great pleasure that we welcome two very, very distinguished gentlemen uh, who have carved out something that's absolutely fascinating and unique. And we're going to explore some of that. We welcome Steve Cohen, who is the chair of the Board of Trustees, and Clayton Platt, the director of community outreach for Meditation for Leadership. Uh, so, Steve Clayton, welcome. Uh, Baruch Haba, welcome to Secrets of Meaning. I hope you're well and um, the winter is treating you nicely, <laughs> so to speak. Thank you. Thank you that for having not, us. Not, nice to see you. Thrilled to be here. Yeah, we're thrilled to be here. Well, Thank it, you. It, it, oh, I, I, my pleasure. Believe me. Um, let's, let's let me get right to this. In the classes we teach, in the workshops we do, and in the traveling with Jewish Sacred Aging, obviously the predominant demographic are people over the age of fifty. Um, and I'm finding more and more of our uh, people, including an increasing number of colleagues, who are using meditation uh, for a variety of reasons, e- even to begin services, sometimes religious services but also for private part of a spiritual practice. What's going on? Why is all of a sudden uh, this seems to be exploding? Just fire away. Yeah, I think the answer is is because it works, because it has just tremendous benefits to help you become the best version of yourself. Um, We focus at Meditation for Leadership on sort of four pillars that are built through meditation practice. Building awareness, making connections, maintaining perspective, and achieving potential. And it's really through those four pillars that people start to recognize the really significant benefits as they practice. So, so Clayton, walk me through some of it. Could you expand a little bit what Steve just said about the, um, the getting to know who they really are? How, how, how does that work? But that's a great question. And, and I think the, I want to first say also one of the things that has helped this become sort of more mainstream has been also the acceptance of yoga. Yoga has been around for a long time. More and more people do yoga and yoga often ends with some meditation. Um, but, but getting to your, your question, um, how does this kind of, in terms of sort of getting to know ourselves and becoming more aware, our ability, you know, you think about it. We're bombarded daily um, with social media, what we read, what we see on TV, um, but also internally, our brains are just sending these messages to us all day long. And our ability just to kind of quiet that a little bit, not completely, <laughs> if you're not thinking at all, you're dead, but rather just sift through the noise and start to see what's real about yourself and about those around you and, and to be able to show up in interactions to be truly present, like to be listening to someone and hearing their words and removing as many of the filters as possible so that what they're saying is, 
and what their intention is being received. And in your expressing yourself, the same thing that you're expressing the words and the intents that, that, um, are on your mind and the ability to connect in that way is, is so much more, um, filled with, with sort of solid, authentic, uh, meaning rather than simply noise. And so I think a lot of that is just decluttering uh, our minds and also our interactions. So uh, when you say declutter, I mean, the, the idea of creating that quiet space, it, and you're right, we're bombarded with information, very little wisdom, but a lot of information. And meditation can help me just, what, retreat? Is, is, it, very, it, it, is it passive or well, negative? Right. So again, I think one of the, one of the misconceptions is that the meditation makes us passive and is, is a total retreat from real life. And in fact, I would say it's, it's really quite the opposite. It allows us to be truly present and to be able to deal with the things that are bumming us out, the things that are annoying us, um, in a way that is less reactive and more responsive. And if I can, let me share, there's a great quote from Viktor Frankl, who says, between the stimulus and the response, there's a space. In that space lies our ability, and now I'm paraphrasing, it's in that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. So what that basically means is, when something happens and you have the, the typical, you know, you can feel the emotions rising up and you're about to say, you know, something, you know, um, that can be perceived as annoying to the other person, you catch yourself and you say, wait a minute, what do I really want this conversation to? So am I, am I retreating? Am I being passive? No, I'm not. I'm actually simply being authentic in my response and being able to choose how I respond in a way that's going to land in the way that I want it, in the intended way. So the practice of meditation, um, when made part of one's routine, quiets the soul and allows, from what I'm hearing you say, allows for the, the mind to just take a breath before one speaks, but also to be able to focus, if I'm understanding this correctly, and what little knowledge, I'm, and I mean, I've read the one of the John Kabat-Zinn books, uh, and, and did take a sort of like introduction to meditation class many years ago, but also the quieting of the mind uh, to focus, to center oneself. Would that be a correct assessment of one of the values of a meditation? Sure. So, let, let's look at it from the standpoint of quieting our getting centered in the face again of all of the, the, the things that are happening on a daily basis. Um, whether it's something as simple as, and I'll give you an example this morning. Um, it was, it's raining out here, um, outside of Philadelphia. And I knew I wanted to be prepared to do this podcast. My wife had a, had a um, business meeting that she had to be on. And somebody has to walk the dog. And she goes, 
can you take the dog out? The first thing that rose up inside me was, I got to get ready for this podcast. And yet I went, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. She's also got a business meeting and I can do this. So taking a pause, right? And then being able to say, okay, in reality, mentally, I'd like to get prepared for the podcast. Walking the dog will help me. So, so I think one of the questions that comes up, Richard, is, okay, so that makes sense. Being centered, being present makes sense. What does meditation and a practice have to do with it? Well, it's like anything else. You need to build the muscle. So we can intellectually understand. I want to be present when someone's talking to me. I want to be having eye contact. I want to put my phone away, blah, blah. But making the time to sit in meditation, it's building that muscle. It's a discipline. So that's, that's I think, at the bottom line uh, where this idea of practicing meditation. So uh, Steve Cohen, the, uh, what, what Clayton was just talking about uh, leads me to a couple of couple of questions too that I'll just throw out to you uh, to, to start out with. Um, I've heard, and I, Gil, I, I, I've said this myself, I can't really meditate. Uh, my brain wanders. I, I, I sit quietly and I, I start to think about what of my mantra or whatever. And then I remember I have to go to the cleaners or I, I forgot to pay this bill. And I remember you led a session that I was part of a couple of months ago when you, you talked about that, could unpack that for me, because I know I've heard this a lot. I'm sure you have too. Sure. Um, you know, meditation is really an active practice. As Clayton was mentioning, you know, it, it's exercise for your mind, just like, you know, we try and exercise our body. And it's an active practice of paying attention, with paying full attention in the present moment and without judgment. And so really it's not about sitting. It's not about the posture that we're in. You can do meditation. You can be meditating while you're running, while you're swimming, while you're sitting on a chair, while you're sitting cross-legged. It's really about a practice of observing with your full attention in the present moment and without judgment. And by practicing that, by having your mind practice that, that's when the magic happens, right? So you're practicing, you're not practicing your mind being completely flat and silent. Unfortunately, one day your mind will be completely flat and silent, but we'll be planning shivas at that time. Um, what, what meditation really is, is, is an active practice. And what comes out of that practice in your life is greater listening. Right. So you're practicing listening as you observe with your full attention. You're listening to yourself. That helps you when you're talking to someone else, learn how to listen to them fully. When you're sit, when you're in meditation and different things come up, we learn to be compassionate towards ourselves. That helps you learn to be empathetic, right? Towards others. And so as you start to practice, meditation regularly, you realize that the skills that you learn during the meditation practice help you in your in your everyday life. You, you mentioned John Kabat-Zinn. He has a great expression that I love. He, he says that we don't learn, we don't practice meditation 
to become better meditators, right? Life itself is the practice, right? So it's these skills that we learn through meditation practice that helps our, helps us um, in our lives. And that extends significantly as we age, right? As we get older um, and where it really becomes, you know, as you are fond of saying, you know, it's all about relationship. <laughs> and there are many things in the course of our younger days that we were very self-focused. We were make, you know, focused on making money. We were focused on raising our kids. Um, as we get older, there's a tendency to really want to focus uh, on relationships. And meditation practice helps us build the skills to be able to do that. You know, the, Richard, um, can I add something to that? We my guest. Yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate it. And one of the things I wanted to add was that, um, again, in response to your thoughts, of, of, and my wife has said this, she loves the fact that I meditate. And she goes, but it's hard for me because my mind is all over the place. She started at her acupuncture doing a little meditation, and she realized, oh, when I notice my mind is wandering, I'm present. So it's okay, right? The, the other thing that I wanted to mention was um, around this, and, and this flows into what Steve was saying about, you know, um, the, the appeal to us meditating as we're getting older. We've lived long enough that we've acquired all this knowledge, but also all these presumptions, right? We're, we're hardwired with all of the experiences we've gone through to, to now react in ways based on years of experience. And one of the things that our meditation practice can do is kind of remind us, be curious, right? You, we bring all this baggage into our interactions, into our presumptions. Can we look at things with like fresh eyes? And that's harder and harder as we get older, isn't it? Because we've seen so much. We've learned so much. We've got all this wisdom, but there's immense wisdom in being able to say, well, wait a minute. What don't I know? Right? What don't I know? What questions do I need to ask? Well, you know, the two of your, what you're, what both of you are talking about just triggers in me in some of our teaching uh, about tensions and the fact that, and it would seem medi the meditation, a, a meditation practice would accelerate, assist, help in this tension of holding on and letting go, which I believe all of us deal with, especially as we get older. In other words, a serious meditation practice can to assist in saying, I need to let, it's okay to let go of some of this stuff that has been young jumbling around with me maybe for years. It's okay. Because if I want to live as Steve was saying, my authentic self, sometimes at this stage in our life, we have to let go of some of this stuff that's holding us back. This is very biblical. It's Genesis 12. Um, in fact, when I, when we teach that in our work, we, we use that. And then, holding on to that which sustains us and allows us to continue to grow. So uh, that's why I wanted to have this conversation with, with, with you guys, because I think there's a lot of uh, 
synchronicity in a lot of the material. Um, what what happens? And I think there's been I, I don't think I know there's been studies about this. What happens biologically to our bodies? I know there's a lot of breathing, but brain waves. This is there's a therapeutic uh, medicinal benefit to this other than, you know, what maybe I, I'm better listening uh, practices. But could you talk to me a little bit about what happens in my body and my brain as we devolve a meditation practice? Somebody go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, Steve knows that, that uh, one of my passions is neuroscience. And I love the intersection, right? I love the intersection between what mindfulness and meditation does for us and what science has, has proven is happening in the brain. So I really appreciate you bringing this up. Um, one of the things that's really interesting as you, as you meditate and as you, if you, if you're not letting your mind wander, right? So you're trying, it will. So let's say you're, the mind's going to wander, but if you catch it and you bring it back to your focus, one of the things that's happening is that areas of your brain that are more cons less concerned about you, when your mind wanders, it almost always is obsessed with things that are happening with you. Last night, last week, what's coming up, right? When we're focused, and we're bringing our, our attention, for example, to our breathing or to our body or to ambient sounds or whatever. When we're just bringing our focus there, areas of the brain that are more concerned with connecting with others and less obsessed with ourselves begin to light up, right? Um, so functional MRIs have shown this. And if you think about that, that's really powerful. Because we're getting less I, me, my centered and more worldly centered. And, and Steve and I like to, like to think about this ripple effect. If, if, if we are more present for other people, they're going to feel that. And we have this slight impact on their lives and they will take that into their interactions with other people. At Meditation for Leadership, one of the things that, that we're so excited about is that from an organizational standpoint, if we can make this happen, culturally in that organization, people feel safer. They feel they have greater well-being. They're going to take that into the world, to their clients, to their, their volunteers, to their families. And this then has this wonderful ripple effect of making our communities and the world a better place. Um, so mentally, our the 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 amount of uh, unwanted, un, unsought out thoughts begin to lower. We become less obsessed with ourselves, more open to outside, in, you know, um, in stimulus, right? Proper stimulus, and then physically, as you mentioned, we do naturally become calmer, our heart rate will go down. All of these things then have a very positive effect on basically, you know, all the things that physically we need, especially as we get older, you know, we're digesting better, um, 
you know, we're sleeping better. All of these things uh, become part of our daily lives. Is there a hard wiring in our brain for meditation or spirituality that I'm, I'm, I'm struggling how to really uh, um, verbalize this, but you're just walking to the edge, Clayton, of saying inside us from the beginning is part of the original equipment is this this uh, genetic proclivity to receive these messages um, and almost a, to use a religious, a spiritual way. Am I way off base? No, and I think you're probably thinking of, of Dr. Andrew Newberg. Um, yeah, and Newberg, he, right. He, he had, he's actually a meditation for leadership supporter. He's on our, he's on our page, but he, uh, he had a really fascinating book uh, with a rabbi and a meditator. Um, and, and talking about this subject, um, I, I'll get you the name of the book so, so you yeah, can please put, do. I, yeah, I like to see it. Um, but but I think that yeah, what what the functional MRIs are showing is that what what opens up during meditation practice is the connection, the connection between your thinking mind, your emotional mind, your animal mind you know, as they sometimes call it. And yeah. it, you increase the connection. And by increasing that connection, it allows you to maintain and obtain and maintain greater perspective. And stress, we all face stress. Stress is really at its core, right? It's, it's a construction term. It, it's when things are out of balance. It creates stress, right? And being meditation helps you come back physically, um, and mentally come back into perspective and helps you reduce sort of that stress. It's the physical impacts that they're studying in greater detail are really proving what many of us have experienced experientially. Yeah, it's it's just fascinating to allay this over Jewish tradition because you read Maimonides was a practicing physician who talked about the golden mean in moderation, and you talk and you look at the entire approach of Judaism medically, which is a holistic medical system. We underst Judaism understood from its inception, um, there is this distinct connection between the mind, the body, and the soul, and they all interplay and play off one another. Um, this is why I wanted to have this conversation because people, we just don't teach this enough in the contemporary American synagogue um, for a variety of different reasons. But I do want to. I do want to come to meditation for leadership because this is a rather unique enterprise. So, Steve, tell me, meditation for leadership. What is it? Who's it for? How does somebody contact you? Sure. Um, well, the easiest way to contact us is is through our website, meditation the number four leadership dot org. Um, and you can type anything you need to info at meditationforleadership.org and the right person uh, will get back to you. Um, we, we, we believe that the reason that everyone's not, this is so awesome, right? People that practice this all the time, universally, you know, find the benefits. But there's a reason that people aren't doing it. Um, you know, one reason you, you mentioned earlier, which is people had a misconception of what meditation is, right? They think that meditation is everyone else's mind is completely silent while theirs continues to create thoughts. 
you know, but as we've discussed, your mind is going to continue to create thoughts. You need to observe that and bring that back to your first focus attention. The second reason is because they, they had that misconception. They, they think that they can't do it. Right. And, uh, Whereas once you learn what it is and start to practice, you realize that everyone can do it. And the third reason is they don't have the exposure to it. So meditation for leadership was really created to give greater exposure to people that don't go to a yoga studio, that don't go to a Buddhist ashram, that don't, you know, study it as part of their religious spiritual tradition. Um, and many of us are, are religious, but somehow that part, which is part of every religious spiritual tradition doesn't make it to you know the the saturday morning service or or the sunday <laughs> morning service right right and, and so we want to bring it to where you are so we have we have one-on-one -on -one mentoring sessions we go to community uh, events um we come to community organizations we we focus have focused on employers because that's a place where we can meet a lot of people um, and, and the employer can see the benefits of it. And we've had just tremendous success. We've been in Verizon for about 35 months. Um, we've been in many companies around, around the country and really they're seeing tremendous employee retention, um, and recruitment benefits. Um, and we're also, uh, I'm running a retreat in Montana in June. If anyone would like to join us. Um, it's a really a chance, you know, 20 people, Glacier National Park, beautiful area to really immerse yourself, uh, whether you have any experience or not to sort of reach that, you know, spiritual connection with, with, with meditation. Um, and Clay, I'm happy to announce Clayton is going to launch a podcast of his own, um, to try and spread the word uh, about the benefits of meditation practice. So Clayton, you picking up on what Steve said. The, and I, I want to get to the retreat as well, but you talk to me a little bit about the the um, the one on ones you offer through meditation for leadership a daily meditation practice. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. And it's this has been done for for a number of years, um, two different times during the day. Um, there's um, it's uh, six fifteen in the morning. Um, this is Eastern time. 6.15 to 6.30. Um, it's, it's an open, um, uh, virtually led Zoom meeting, um, just 15 minutes of, of quiet, uh, slightly guided meditation. Also during, um, the, the lunch hour, so to speak, again, Eastern time, uh, 12.30 to 12.45 every day. Um, and this is again, complimentary available, um, via Zoom and that, that those links are available on our website as well as I think um, they're going to be on the landing page for this podcast. We, we appreciate it. I also do a, a Friday morning, um, 8 a.m. Eastern, which is longer and it's a little bit more in depth. There's a little bit of, um, centering than there. I give a talk of a specific theme each week. There's a guided meditation and then we share. And one of the interesting things about that, Richard, is that, and this is, look, there are lots of apps out there, right? Headspace, Insight Timer, 10% Happier. There, there are lots of them, and they're really good. I highly recommend them. But there's power in sitting in a group, even when it's virtual. And this is, leads into the power of being on retreat, where that connection, and you see what other people are going through, 
you see our shared humanity. Richard, when someone says, I can't do this, this is crazy, I'm uncomfortable. It's like someone else goes, oh, me too. Oh, so that it's okay. It's okay to be uncomfortable. And it's okay to admit you're uncomfortable because that's part of our growth. And if we don't admit where our weaknesses are or our challenges are, we're never going to, to be able to move forward. So getting a chance to do this daily is wonderful. Um, it just, there's, there's real power in that. So the retreat, um, this sounds very, it's a, a Glacier National Park I've been to. Um, it's a long story, uh, but it's, it's cosmic. There's this wonderful lodge at the other end when you drive over the mountain. It's a magnificent lodge. I, I'm sure you'll visit it. Um, but Glacier National Park itself is, is very spiritual. It's a beautiful, beautiful part of, part of the world. Um, <laughs> I'm just flashing on the, the two weeks I spent out there for, for, you know, for work. But anyway, talk to me about the retreat. First of all, give me the dates. If somebody, what's the capacity? Is it open to like 100 people or is it just limited to like 30 people? And can, if it's if you can, I know it's we're still in the winter. Uh, can you just sort sort of like um, sketch out what the program would be and how much it would be, how much it costs? Yeah, so all of that's available on the website. It's it's the last week in June. Um, it's a Wednesday to Sunday, um, and uh, it'll be a combination of. Uh, easy, you know, easy outdoor walks, you know, around Glacier National Park, um, sitting meditation, probably some yoga in there. Um, and really, like, like Clayton said, the key is the chance to share on retreat, right? So, so we'll, we'll have teachings, we'll have practices. And, and it's, it's not just one type of meditation. We'll do loving kindness meditations. We'll do gratitude meditation. We'll do mantra meditations. We'll do some, deep guided spiritual meditation. So it's really a chance of getting exposed to a lot of different techniques to figure out what works for you. Um, and it'll be a great group of people. And it's for beginners and veterans, right? It's, it's, there's no requirement that way. No, I, I think, I think, uh, we're, we're all beginners. <laughs> we begin every day, but no, no, there's no experience needed. Um, I think it'll be very accessible uh, for people at any level who are interested in going on this journey. Well, uh, for those who've never been there, it is a cosmically beautiful part of the country. Uh, it's a little different from Jersey, but it's <laughs> it's, 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 it's really beautiful. Uh, before we run out of time, I, I do want to pursue one last, one last subject, and that is um, – I alluded to before, I'm finding an increased amount of uh, colleagues of all of all ages who are trying to incorporate aspects of meditation into a religious service. It may be perhaps bringing a, a breathing exercise in the beginning, but but the concept of prayer again, this may be Western, and we've gotten rid of forgotten about this. But the concept of prayer itself is a meditative aspect, is it not? No question about it. So, um, you know, the concept, uh, remember what meditation is, right? So meditation is observing with your full attention 
in the present moment and without judgment, right? So how often do we pray while not paying full attention, right? How often do you go and see and recite a prayer and all of a sudden you say, wow, that's a really interesting meaning. I must have said that 50 times, but I wasn't really fully paying attention, right? So when we bring meditation into a prayer service, the first thing we want to do is to really bring in that practice of, of observing and paying attention with our full attention to the prayer. That then leads to, right, moments of pause. There are moments of pause, the Amidah, you know, in every tradition, right, in a prayer service. What happens during those moments of, of silence, right? There's such a tendency today to want to cut the Amidah, right, into like 30 seconds and people sit down, right? What, what if we just let it go the length of the Amidah, right? And, and then we observe what happens, you know, during that time, having just, you know, warmed up, you know, with that very powerful prayer. And Steve, it, yeah. one of the things that, 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 that I, I have thought long and hard about this around prayer is that First of all, yes, I really, I just applaud the way you described it being, being present with the words that we're saying in prayer and really hearing and feeling them, right? And then listening because God, don't we want to hear what God has to say to us? And, and, and if we haven't given ourselves the opportunity to actually be quiet, then zip it and listen. And as you said, listening with our whole heart, with our full observation, and without judgment, just saying, okay. And, and that's a beautiful moment. And we don't give ourselves an opportunity to do that very often, do we? No. I mean, sadly, um, speaking as a, somebody who's been doing this for a while, you go to service and, and you have to get through the service. You know, you, 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 these are the formal prayers you do. And every time I used to do this um, and just stop the service and say, wait a minute, let's, let's really take a look at what this prayer says. Invariably, somebody, why, why are you doing that? Why, why, why are you doing that? Come on, you know, we have to, we have to, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a real, ch- we're just, there are, congreg- there are congregations, there are colleagues who are doing this, by the way. And it, it, it requires sort of like getting just it's OK every once in a while to not have to do everything in that hour and 10 minutes. Um, so you, OK, just maybe take it. This is part of the change that's happening right now. And this is another reason why I wanted to to have this conversation, because what I'm hearing you say is, it's hey, listen, as, as Clayton is saying. Maybe just stop. Let God talk to you for a little while instead of you just talking to God, and listen to what listen to what your soul is saying. So, thank you guys very, very, very. I much. just want to tell you this is the magic, Rabbi. Yeah. Just you ready? Some people believe in God, what you call God, what the Jewish religion calls God. Some people believe what the Catholic religion calls God. Some people believe in central human consciousness. Buddhism has their, you know, their framework for for what the divine is the truth is is during the pause 
the wisdom from within or from the universe comes through you and it doesn't need the credit, right? It, it doesn't matter what you call it. You just have to observe with your full attention in the present moment and without judgment. And then you get all of that wisdom. And the source of that wisdom doesn't need the credit. Let me ask you a question, though. Are people, do you think some people are afraid to do that? 100%. I think uh, there's a lot of fear in that. And, and, and that's, that's one of the obstacles, quite honestly. There's a lot of, of concern and fear about that. And, but again, I would say part of our, our awareness is when that obstacle, obstacle starts to rise, when those walls start to, you know, build up, the force field, the protective shields. It's like, if we can see that happening, then we have the choice, as Viktor Frankl would say, how do we respond? And that's our power to say, let's lower the force field. Let me now be accessible to what the universe wants to say, what God wants to say to me, right? Um, I, if I could throw one other quote, I just love this. Um, we know that the, one of the greatest pianists of the 20th century, Arthur Rubinstein. And he was asked about, you know, his ability to play. And he goes, listen, I handle the notes no better than many, <laughs> but the pauses, that's where the art resides. Right. It's in the and space. I think so we, it's, no, no, we, it, it's like the, um, the Midrash about the letters in the Torah, that the, the meaning is in the spaces, the spaces. And, but we're, a lot of us are afraid to enter those spaces. It's mm -hmm. just very frightening, especially, it, it just is fascinating. Steve Cohen, chair of the Board of Trustees of a Meditation for Leadership, Clayton Platt, the director of community outreach. Thank you very, very much. We just, I just feel we just touched the surface on so much. Hopefully we can do this again and explore some of these feeling safe in the spaces. But thank you very, very, very much, guys. Really, uh, just stay safe and stay healthy. Um, and again, the uh, website, meditationforleadership.org, all the information about the retreat, uh, private one-on-one uh, -on -one sessions, et cetera, the books, all available, meditation for the number four, leadership.org. Clayton, Steve, hey, thank you, guys. Thank you very, very, very much. Our pleasure. Thanks for having us. To all of you, thank you again for joining us on today's edition of Secrets of Meaning, the podcast and TV arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. If you'd like to support our work, please uh, go to the website, jewishsacredaging.com. You will find a conveniently located donate button. Just click on that, follow the prompts. It's really, really easy, and we are very, very appreciative. Um, again, if you'd like to make a comment or suggestion, just email me at rabbi address at jewishsacredaging.com. Com. Seekers of Meaning is produced at the broadcast centers of Lubetkin Media Companies in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And a huge shout out to our producer genius, Steve Lubetkin. Again, thank you for joining us today. I'm your host, Rabbi Richard Address. And until we see each other on our next Seekers of Meaning, take care of yourself, take care of each other, be safe, be healthy, and most of all in this day and age, be kind to one another. Shalom. Thank you. <laughs>